God is here, the angels are here, the saints are here, the Lord is here. We aren't alone. We have a house full of saints and angels. So in our readings today, in this gospel reading, what we see is this image of Jesus being lifted up, as it says. It says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. So God's saying to us, Jesus is saying that He has to be lifted up as the serpent was lifted up in the desert, so that we can have eternal life. The Lord's saying to us here that sin always has consequences. Sin always has consequences. That when we sin, it's akin to being bit by a serpent. Just as when you get bit by a serpent, you get sick, you get weak, you get tired, you get dizzy, and you fall over. You know? So God's saying the same thing in the spiritual life for us, that when we choose to live in darkness, when we choose to sin, that our choices always, always, always poison us and poisons the world. And so the Lord says that he has to be lifted up like a serpent. Because when Moses put the serpent, the bronze serpent, on the pole and the people looked at it, it made them realize why they were sick and why they did what they did and, or what they did what they did caused them to die, caused them to suffer, caused them to, to experience illness. And so when we look you know, if we look at the, the serpent on the pole, if you think about this, God's saying to us, look at what sin does when he's lifted up. That's what he's saying. Look at what sin does. It kills God. Sin puts God to death in our lives. And we know the serpent in the garden of, of, of Eden bit Adam and Eve. And what died when the serpent the venom of the serpent came into Adam and Eve's life. What died? What died was their relationship with God. And because of their spiritual life died, then they physically ended up dying. And the definition of death is a separation of the body from the soul. When, God, when, we, when we turn to God, when we look at God, He empowers us to live a life that's in the light, a life that's not poisonous, but a life that gives life to our brothers and sisters. And so, there's some good imagery here, you know. He's saying, I have to be lifted up like the serpent in the desert. Oh, well, the desert of our day is the world. When we go out into the world, there's a lot of serpents that want to bite us and put us to death, you know. And so, there's certain places you don't go in the world, you know? There's certain places out there that there's a lot of serpents, and there's a certain places where there's not so many serpents. But then there's places where there's no serpents, right? So we don't want to be, like, putting ourselves in places where there's going to be uh, poisonous serpents that can bite us, where demons dwell and, and play. Um, we want to stay away from that. And so... When we do get bit, though, which we all do, because we wouldn't sin if we weren't getting bit, the fact that we sin is 
is, is basically saying we've been poisoned, we've been intoxicated by the evil one at times. And so, what does God do when that happens? He lifts himself up and says, look what sin does. Because I often think we don't connect the reality of the, the, the evil of sin. We don't make the connection to what sin really does. When we look at the crucifix here, that reminds us of what sin is, ultimately. It's saying to God, I don't want you. I don't want you in my life. And, and the devil knows that if we know that, we won't sin. You know, if we know that that's what sin does, God gave us life, and without God we can't live life. Without God we can't be happy. So he's lifted up to remind us what sin does. So that when we see what sin does, we repent of what sin does. You can't repent of what you don't see or understand or make sense. Like if, it's hard to, you know, repentance and contrition isn't just, I'm sorry, Lord. It has to come from our hearts. If I'm not repentant at the contrition from the heart, then I'm not really sorry. And if I'm not sorry, I would question if I really understand the nature and ugliness of sin. Because if we really understand sin in our lives, and we look at that crucifix in here and realize that sin is putting love to death, sin is putting life to death, sin hurts me, it hurts the world, it hurts everyone. And so... I start to get more in touch with reality, the reality of living a sinful lifestyle, which is destructive, and it pulls me down. It pulls me down, and the world down. And so, everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Now then we read that famous John 3.16, But God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but have eternal life. Then this line is important. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that He might save them, but that the world might be saved through Him. God is saying to us, in order to be saved, you've got to have a sense of sin. If you don't have a sense of sin, you have nothing to be saved from. Lifted up, He shows us a mirror, Look what you've done to yourself and to me. That's what sin does. Now, I start to develop a contrition, a sorrow. You know, if I come down and, like, punch one of you in the face and have no, like, big deal about it, like, oh, what's the big deal, you know? Like, then I start kicking you on the floor, and it's like, what's wrong with that? Well, it's obvious what's wrong. But when we sin, sometimes we don't make the connection that we're punching Jesus in the face, we're kicking Jesus on the ground, we're scourging Jesus, we're crowning him with thorns, we're spitting on him. That's what sin does. And, and the passion of Christ is meant to be a bright, hello, wake up, look what you're doing. Then, even the cruelest of people start to feel bad when somebody's being beaten to death. And that's why the soldier Longinus, which pierced his side, was eventually converted, and many others were converted that were at Calvary. Because we weren't created to, 
to kill, to destroy life and, and, and manipulate and hurt each other and take. We were created to be generous, loving gifts to one another, to foster life, to take the baby and love it, to love each other, to embrace life. And so when we see what sin does, then we have that sorrow starting to come on us. We start to feel a sense of sin and sorrow and what really it is. And then we're ready to be saved. He didn't do this to condemn us. God doesn't show us the, the ugly nature of sin to condemn us. He shows it to us to save us. And so God is wanting to save each of us here. And as we enter the Mass, remember the Mass is Calvary. This is where Jesus has my, this is my body given up for you. In time, eternity breaks into time at every Mass. And you all are invited to give God yourselves, renew our commitment to Christ, pledge our allegiance to the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And so, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. Without an acknowledgement of sin, God can't save me. And if I don't let God save me and enter into my life, I have no hope. I'm, I'm dead meat. I'm toast. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sealing my journey to hell. And so, we hear here it says, God says, Jesus says, this is the verdict. The light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. So those who live in darkness don't like seeing what sin does because that means you can't keep doing what you like doing. You know, you can't keep getting drunk and going out on the weekends. You can't keep having sex when you want. You can't keep indulging in whatever form of indulgence you, you do. If you see what sin does, you prefer not to see it because you have to change when you know that's what it does. When you know that's the reality of sin, that's why Jesus up there is like a brilliant blast of light. Calvary's like a brilliant blast of light into the conscience of every human being. Look, look what you've done. And, and, and he didn't do it to condemn us. He doesn't show us what we've done to condemn us. He shows us what we've done so that we can turn from. The word repent means to turn from, you know, this direction towards sin to this direction to life. And so those who walk in darkness prefer the darkness because when they see what it does, again, it's, it's troubling to know the nature and ugliness of sin. And that's why the devil doesn't want us to think about sin. He doesn't want us to think at all. He doesn't want us to sit quietly. Because you know why? When you sit in silence, guess what? Jesus, God, when you sit in, in, in adoration, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit starts to show you, illumine, enlighten you. 
and you start to realize you need to make a, a repentance, a change of heart. We don't want to be afraid of, of, of the crucifix, of, of, the, of Calvary. Why do you think there were so few people on Calvary? Think about it. There wasn't very many people on Calvary. Why was there so few people on Calvary? Because people don't like reality. Why is there so few people at the abortion mill? You got ten people. Where's all the Catholics? There's none standing down there at the abortion mill. Why? If we as a Catholic church really understood what sin was, there would be... Every Catholic in the city would be down at the abortion mill. The abortion mill is Calvary. The abortion mill is Calvary. On Calvary, you had John the Apostle, the Blessed Mother, Mary Magdalene, another Mary, and just a few others. Everyone else, the apostles, took off. And a lot of others took off. Because it's truth, it's reality. And we'd rather live in our little fantasy land and pretend that nothing's wrong, that there's nothing going on in there. And so government socially engineers terms and terminology. We need to look at the crucifix. I'd encourage you to get a crucifix if you don't have one in your room. And every night, stare at it. Stare at it. And let it challenge you. Let the crucifix, let Jesus challenge you through this crucifix. And again, he doesn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. So, it's not a matter of how far can I go before I hurt Jesus. If we view morality as how far can I go before I overstep the line, rather than How can I live in a way that's going to bring me happiness? How can I live in a way that's going to let God save people through me? I'd rather think of morality in a way of these choices and actions are going to make me fully alive as a human being. These choices and actions aren't. Therefore, I'll choose these. These might be harder and require me to live a life of sacrifice, But these choices might be easier, but what they lead to is a life of self-indulgence which ultimately ends in a a, a stunting of my spiritual growth and, you know, I don't have any ability to love over here. Over here, I'm learning to love. I'm exercising my will, my intellect. I'm being human. I'm learning to love. And over here, I'm indulging. I'm indulging. I'm indulging. And so... When I'm indulging, I'm destroying my life and others' lives. When I'm self-giving love and sacrifice, I'm bringing life. I'm giving life. And so, you know, Mother Teresa, this is a powerful quote from Mother Teresa. Bottom line is, everybody wants peace. And how does looking at the crucifix give me peace? If, he, if he's up there and he's going to come out and condemn me, I don't have peace and I'm not going to look at the crucifix. But if I believe Jesus' heart was broken open to say, yes, you've killed me, you've crucified me, but you know what? I, I love you and 
I want you to know that I'll help you to make changes in your life. Then I want to look at the crucifix. I want to change. So this peace comes with often that, that blast of light where I have to humble myself, acknowledge my sin, and then receive him. So Mother Teresa, she's speaking on abortion here, and I just think this is a powerful quote. She says, I feel the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murdered by the mother herself. If we can accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must persuade her to love. And we remind ourselves that love means giving until it hurts. Love means giving until it hurts. And so, he gave himself to you and I until it hurts. And he's not angry at us. He's not mad at us for hurting him. But he does have a hope and a desire that you and I will see sin for what it is and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Thank you for dying for me. And I want eternal life. I want eternal life. I want to live forever, Lord. Take my sins. Take my life. Take my all. Bruised and broken and no good on my own. You take me, yeah, you take me as I am. You take me, yeah, you take me as I am. With grace, love, mercy, you take me. Yeah!